This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by Dancing You Yarns. You can find the link for Dancing You Yarns shop at nevernotknitting.com. Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting podcast. This is episode 15. Thanks for joining me. And thank you for the overwhelming amount of comments on the last episode. Wow, there were so many entries in that drawing. So I'm not going to let you wait it out any longer. I'm going to go ahead and announce the winner. Everyone who left a comment about episode 14 was entered to win five skeins of the Owl Classic yarn that I talked about last time in the color of their choice. I then put all of the comments in the random number generator online, and the winner that was chosen was... Deborah. Congratulations! So Deborah, unfortunately, I don't have your email address or any of your information, so when you listen to this, please contact me so that Dancing You Yarns can get your O-Wool send out to you right away. So this episode, I wanted to tell you about my trip up to Stitches West a few weeks ago. Stitches, for those who don't know, is a knitting slash yarn convention that's held every year, and they have classes and events and tons upon tons of vendors selling yarns and knitting supplies. Unfortunately, I don't have as much to share about my experience as I was hoping to, I did get to chat with a lot of people, including some of you listeners, but I was just too shy about bringing out my portable recorder, so I don't have any interviews to share. Everyone just seemed busy, and I just felt kind of dumb about asking. But anyways, thanks to those who came up and said hi. It was so fun for me to put faces with the names. Thank you. Also, I ran into Nicole and Jenny from the Stash and Burn podcast, and that was really cool because I've listened to their podcast from episode one, and it was really exciting to meet them in person. This year was a bit different from last year for me. Last year, I went with a wad of cash, desperate to buy the perfect yarn. This year, I wasn't intent on spending. I just wanted to go to meet people and see what there was to see. And there was a lot to see, as usual. Some vendors, such as Tess's Designer Yarns, Lisa Souza, and Brooks Farm, sell yarns that are not widely available, that you can mostly find only at shows. So I really like to visit those booths. And it is these types of booths that can really get you in the most trouble. Because not only are the yarns unbelievably gorgeous, but you keep thinking, I won't see this yarn again for an entire year. Of course, I saw a million things that I wanted to buy there, but I refrained. Speaking of buying things, I did really, really well the first day. I practically spent nothing. I did buy two ounces of spinning fiber from Tactile Fiber Arts. I had heard a lot about the company, and of course I had to check out their booth, and then I was absolutely mesmerized by the beautiful, naturally dyed colorways of their yarns and fiber. I knew that I shouldn't buy yarn, so I decided to indulge in a small amount of their fiber. I got the Merino Bamboo Blend in 
blue spruce and it's just a beautiful swirly mixture of blue green and yellow and the fiber combination has a beautiful sheen and luster to it I've never worked with merino and bamboo before so I'm kind of anxious to see what that's like I'm hoping that this little purchase will motivate me to do some more spinning since I don't have any exciting fibers to work with, I haven't really been inspired to sit down at the wheel. I feel guilty because that wheel was a gift from my husband and I haven't used it in, well, months. So I really would like to try to get back into it. So Friday, the first day I was there, I only bought the fiber and I was feeling quite proud. It was the next day, Saturday, that everything fell apart. Yeah, I started out the day knowing that there were a few little things I needed to pick up. I had brought my Sienna cardigan with me to see if there were any buttons that would match. At Stitches, there is one booth that is nothing but buttons and really cool, interesting buttons too. All different styles and shapes. So I knew that this was the place to look for buttons for my sweater. I found some that fit and match really well. So that was good. I'm really glad I brought it. The next thing I wanted to buy was a present for my sister-in-law, Mallory. She wasn't able to go to Stitches this year and I really wanted to bring her something back. While wandering around, I stumbled upon the perfect skein for her, a skein of tonal green sock yarn. Green is her favorite color too and she knits tons of socks so it was just perfect. At this point in the day, I felt good. I had only gotten exactly what I needed. I even many times averted yarn buying disasters. You see, I had gotten into lines, arms full of all sorts of things, but then after thinking about it, came to my senses, stepped out of line, and put everything back. I even came across the most beautiful yarn that ever was. A wool silk blend by Curious Creek Fibers that was 40 something dollars a skein, but did I buy it? No. I was in control. Or was I? I was happy, I was content, and I still had money left. This is where the story should have ended, but no. It was late in the day on Saturday. I was ready to leave and just waiting for my husband to pick me up. I was just casually walking around, and then I saw it. The yarn sail bin. Now, if any of you listening have ever been to Stitches, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I can't think of the vendor's name. I think I blocked it out mentally or something. But this vendor has a big area outside of their booth, gated off, and filled to the brim with bags of yarn, all 50% off. Surrounding this playpen-type setup are groups of yarn-hungry knitters, bent over the railing, rapidly digging through the bags of yarn. It's really quite a sight. It's sort of funny, but at the same time, strangely inviting. When you see the knitters desperately turning over bag after bag and their arms full of yarn, you can't help but wonder what they're unearthing over there. What kinds of unique yarn gems are they finding? Maybe they're taking all of the good stuff. Maybe, maybe I should just take a quick look and see what's there before it's all gone. The previous year I'd fallen victim to the sail bin and bought a bag of Elsbeth Levold Angora. Sail yarn? It's just one thing 
I have a hard time resisting. Up to this point in the story, I had managed to steer clear of this huge sail bin. But now, as I was about to leave Stitches, for some reason, it was just calling to me, beckoning me to just take a quick look. I tried to avert my eyes, but I couldn't. I just had to know what it was that was so desirable in that bin. You know what happens next, right? I found something. A bag of Debbie Bliss pure silk in an orange bronze color. And I know exactly why I wanted it. First of all, the color. I am so attracted to this orange gold color right now, and I'm not sure why. Second off, it's Debbie Bliss, and I love all things Debbie Bliss. Her patterns, her yarns, if it's Debbie Bliss, I'll buy it. Thirdly, it is silk. And I have a strange fascination with silk yarn. I always buy it, but never actually use it. I have tons of silk in my stash, and so far I've only made one project out of silk yarn, and that was years ago. So between the silk, the orange, and the Debbie Bliss name, nothing could pry my hands from this bag. I waited in line for several minutes and purchased the darn thing. After all, it was 50% off. It would have been wrong of me not to buy it, right? So now that it's after the fact, I feel a little sheepish about the whole thing. It was totally an impulse purchase, and truthfully, I don't need it. I'm starting to realize that I will never, ever, ever be able to knit through my stash. I always have high hopes for myself, but it just isn't going to happen. Last year when I talked about yarn dieting, I did really good, and I didn't buy anything for the rest of the year. But this year, although I've done better, I've still been buying skeins here and there for designing purposes, and the stash is simply not getting knit. It's kind of silly how hard it is to knit stash yarn. I guess it's because every time I see a project that I want to make, I think to myself, I could use this yarn for my stash, but... It would look so much better in that awesome new yarn. And even if I do have a pattern in mind for a stashed yarn, there are always new patterns coming out that are way more exciting that call for yarns that are not yet part of my personal yarn collection. It's strange, isn't it? The upside to me buying that whole bag of silk, though, is that now I can knit some of those beautiful silk tops that I talked about before out of the fall-winter issue of the Debbie Bliss magazine. That will be really nice for spring and summer. Aside from purchasing, I've also been knitting. I finished my forecast sweater. It turned out pretty good, but this project has had its ups and downs. First off, I made the wrong size. I made the 32 inch, but really the 36 inch would have been better. The sweater doesn't look bad, it's just very fitted, and I look somewhat like an orange sausage when I try to button all of the buttons. But open, or with one button keeping it closed on the chest, it looks all right. Fortunately, the oval blocks out very well, so I got some extra room. Before it was blocked, I felt very nervous because it was just plain old too tight, but the washing really relaxed the fibers and made a huge difference, thank goodness. Also, since the body is worked in garter stitch, it grew lengthwise as well, 
garter is stretchier than I even realized. The downside to that was is that it made my three-quarter length sleeves, which I knit that way purposefully, into full-length sleeves. But I just kind of scrunch them up when I wear the sweater and it looks fine. Besides the sizing issues, which are purely my fault, the pattern was fun and pretty easy. The hardest part is maybe the cable pattern, but aside from the raglan increase on the shoulders, there is no shaping, not even in the sleeves. Also, since it's knit in one piece, there's no seams, and you can try it on as you go and make adjustments where you see fit. For instance, I made my sweater quite a bit longer than the pattern called for because I found a longer length to be much more flattering for me. I'm also really happy with my yarn choice. The oval bloomed and softened so nicely with washing, but still maintained that nice crisp stitch definition. Also, I wore the sweater just over a tank top all day today, and I never found the wool itchy or irritating to my skin, which was also really nice. This project only took four skeins of the Owool Classic with leftovers for the 32 inch size. So if you have a sweater pattern in mind that calls for around 800 yards, you can get four skeins of Owool with your Never Not Knitting discount this month and make a sweater for around $46. Not a bad price for a hand knit organic wool sweater. For those who are interested in giving Owool a try, I will put all of the details on how to order this yarn in this episode's show notes. So basically, about the forecast sweater, I enjoyed knitting the project, I enjoyed the yarn, I wish the fit was a little bit better, but in actuality, it's just fine. I know I'm going to get a lot of use out of the sweater while the weather's still cool. After reviewing some of my latest episodes of the podcast, I realized that I haven't done my knitting fantasies segment in quite a while. So now I'd like to take some time to share with you some patterns that have recently caught my attention or that have recently been published in magazines or online magazines and tell you which ones I've been dreaming of and just dying to knit. The first one that comes to mind is the Mosaic Yoke Jacket. And this was published in Interweave Knits Fall of 2008. Now, I bought that magazine and I didn't even notice this pattern. Apparently, when I was flipping through the pages, it just did not stand out to me at all. But recently, my friend Ruth made this and I love it. It's weird how sometimes how you don't like a pattern or don't even notice it until you see it in real life or see someone's version. So this is a colorwork jacket that I guess is also included in the book Color Style from Interweave Press, but it was also printed in that fall issue of Interweave. My friend Ruth, I guess, just changed up the colors and the fit looks a little bit different on her and it's just so so cute it makes me really want to give it a try especially after my color work experience with the Cebu modern hat I think it would be fun to try it on a larger scale I'll put a link to Ruth's sweater in the show notes of this podcast the next pattern that I really like seems to be a fairly new pattern that has just come out on Ravelry it's a free pattern and there's already 574 projects so apparently I'm not the only one that likes it And you've probably already heard of it, but it's Owls by Kate Davies. 
And this is a really cute, bulky pullover sweater. But the interesting thing is that there's some cabling at the yoke part of the sweater that resembles little owls. I know that sounds corny, but it's actually really well done. And then you sew buttons along the yoke and the buttons end up being in the placement for the owl's eyes. When I first saw this sweater, I didn't realize that they were owls. So it's very subtle and it's just a really cute creative design. And I, again, I saw a really great version of it on a blog that I've been reading. And this version was done by Minder on Ravelry. So I will put a link to her version so you could see this pattern for yourself. But I'm really inspired to make this one as well, but probably next year when I know that I'll have a chance to wear it for a while. Two other patterns that I'm really into are from last winter's Vogue Knitting. So Vogue Knitting for the winter of 2008-2009. The first pattern is the Alamira Gloves by Jared Flood or Brooklyn Tweed. I like them when I saw them in the magazine, but of course, I'm usually mostly inspired by other people's knitting. So when I went into the Scarlet Skein a couple of weeks ago, my friend Dana was making her pair out of Sublime Angora Merino, and I simply fell in love with them. I think that that's one of my favorite yarns, even though I've never gotten a chance to knit with it, but every pattern that I see knitted up in this yarn is just beautiful. I like the fuzz of the Angora, but I like the fact that it's not too fuzzy. It's just a really nice blend, and it really looked nice with the Alamira gloves. It made them look even more elegant. So now I have to knit those too. The other pattern out of this issue that I thought was really, really pretty was the Round the Corner hoodie. And this is a worsted weight hooded cardigan. It is done in seed stitch with nice shaping, so it's fitted and it has lace on the shoulder area. And ever since a friend pointed this pattern out to me, I can't stop thinking about it. I think that it's really unique how the lace part is on the shoulders of the sweater. You hardly ever see that. It's just a very classy, very elegant design. I'd really like to make that for next winter. And I even have yarn in my stash to make it. It calls for an Aran weight and I've got quite a bit of Aran weight that I can use. So this one is definitely on my list. So as if I needed any more patterns to fantasize about, the new interweave knits came. And there are two sweaters in there that I think are just lovely. First off is the Whisper Cardigan, and that's by Hannah Fettig, who was interviewed on this podcast in episode four. And this is just a really cute, shrug-like sweater made out of a lace weight yarn, and I believe it's knit up on size seven needles. And this is a really interesting design. So it looks like you knit the shrug part of this cardigan in one piece, and then you pick up stitches all around the opening and work in rib, and then from there you knit the lower body of the cardigan from the waist down, and it's kind of angled in front and the sleeves are a little bit flared, it's just a really cute springtime sweater, but the interesting thing to me about it is that it's seamless and it's really interesting construction. I really like it and I really want to make it and I have all the yarn to make it too, but there's so many things I need to knit right now. 
and I'm kind of overwhelmed, but this looks like a really fun pattern. And right now in Ravelry, it's voted the number one most active recently published design. And there's a lot of really great versions already. The next pattern from this latest issue of Interweave that I thought was really cute was the Diminishing Rib cardigan. This also has been a really popular design and already has 107 projects. So it looks like it is knit in one piece with raglan shaping and then the waist is one by one rib and then it looks like it extends out from there going into a wider rib down at the bottom. So it kind of gives it a little bit of a flare and shape. It's a really nice classic design, like a perfect throw over anything cardigan. So those are my patterns that I'm currently obsessed with and I really have no room in my life for any more patterns. That's the bad thing about Ravelry. It's so over-inspiring. Sometimes I feel stressed, like I just can't get to everything that I want to knit. It drives me crazy. And then when I finally get to knit something that I've been wanting to knit, something better comes out. It's just never ending. I think it's going to take a lifetime for me to knit all of these sweaters. This episode, I have another knitting story to share. This one was sent in by Brenda, or Good Stuff on Ravelry. And this story will be read by me, but this is her story. The story of the slowest knitter in history. Is there an entry in the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest time to finish a knitting project? Well, if there isn't one, there should be one, because I would definitely be a strong contender. Here's the story. We moved to Los Angeles from Toronto in 1992. Why? For the great weather, and because my husband nagged me incessantly until I finally capitulated. So you can see, this is all his fault. The deal was, whoever got a job first would go, and the other one would stay, pack up everything, sell the house, etc. Here's a tip. Never let your husband do the packing without supervision. Some boxes may be clearly labeled, but sometimes things just get stuffed somewhere with no rhyme or reason. The word haphazard comes to mind. A box neatly labeled stuff is not really helpful. Ask me how I know. Since I was working and he wasn't, he also had the privilege of unpacking and putting things away. Remember that word, haphazard? At this point, I should explain that, as of the summer of 2007, I hadn't knitted anything in about 20 years. I first taught myself to knit when I was in high school. I had a pamphlet from Patton's with grainy black and white photos to illustrate the stitches and techniques. This was the prehistoric times, before the internet. I remember making a vest and a couple of sweaters back then, but in university I stopped. Probably too busy between studying, dating, marching in demonstrations, and the like. I have no idea what I did for scarves and hats back then. This was in Montreal, where the snow can bury a car in a couple of hours, and does on a regular basis. Fast forward a few years. Yes, there is a point to all of this, in case you're wondering. I was now a young married woman and some of my friends were having babies, so I took up knitting again to make a few baby sweaters. I even managed to make an adorable one for my own sweet, adorable son. 
As a busy working mother, talk about a redundant phrase, I used to do some knitting in the evenings to relax from my hectic days. I made a huge afghan that my son called Afghan Stan, some kid sweaters, a sweater for my husband, and a pink mohair monster of a sweater for me. But once again, life just got too busy. My career, too demanding. My son, too picky about what he would wear. And I dropped knitting yet again. Okay, fast forward some more. No, I don't mean you, the listeners. Don't touch that dial. I mean my life. It is 2007. Out of nowhere, I'm suddenly hearing about knitting all over the place. A friend who is a president of her own company tells me she knits. Another friend who's a lawyer knits. There are books, magazines, blogs even. I don't know. It was something in the air. Around the same time, one day, while looking for something in the linen closet... No, I wasn't cleaning it out, silly. You only do that when you move, right? I found a bag of knitting stashed way in the back on a high shelf. Yes, my beloved husband had packed my knitting away for the move in 1992 and put it away in the closet without saying anything to me about it. Remember how I told you that this was all his fault? So this must be some kind of serendipity, finding knitting just when I was starting to think about taking up knitting again. In the bag was a work in progress with about 8 inches done, the needles still in it, and there were 7 balls of yarn. It was cotton and acrylic, perfect for the Southern California climate, and it was a nubby blend of off-white with multicolored strands. I guess you'd call it boucle. The sail slip was also in the bag. I bought it in 1987. But the pattern, the pattern was nowhere to be found. What the heck was I knitting? Or more importantly, what should I be knitting? The yarn being sort of unique, I just couldn't substitute anything. From what I and my friend Google.com could tell, that yarn was not sold anymore. Anywhere. And as for pattern support, forget it. My mission was to find a pattern for it that used seven balls of yarn. Luckily, I found one listing on eBay for a pattern book for this yarn. It was from England, and I got it for two pounds plus shipping. So about six dollars total. Not bad. When it arrived, my family laughed themselves silly over the 1980s big hair hairstyles and dated fashions. Now the question was, do I want to knit a pattern from a mid-1980s pattern book? But one of them was a simple short sleeve tee, and it called for just the amount of yarn that I had. Hmm. In fact, wait a minute. the more I looked at this pattern, the surer I became. This was exactly the same pattern I had been knitting from back in 1987. So literally, I picked up where I left off with my knitting and continued with the pattern. Fortunately, even though I had put on some weight in the hips region, I am the same size on top, so I could make the same size sweater. I worked on it steadily and finished it in about a month. Well, actually, make that 20 years and one month. 20 years have come and gone Thank you so much, Brenda, for sharing your story. If any of you listening would like to see a picture of Brenda's top that was 20 years in the making, I will include a link to Brenda's Ravelry page, as well as her blog, on the show notes of this podcast. If any of you listening have a story that you would like to share, please email me. 
I'd love to review your story for a future episode. You can find the show notes for this podcast, as well as pictures of all of the projects that I talk about, on my blog, and that's at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting, and of course, you can email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 15. Until next time. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a clicking. From morning until she goes to bed. She won't take the time to brush her teeth. Let's not even talk about her hair. If it isn't about knitting, she just doesn't really care. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching, and the neighbors say it really is quite sad. Nobody has clean laundry, no pants, no shirts, no underwear, but they have closets full of sweaters, and more socks than they could ever wear. There's yard in the fridge, in the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry. Even in the washer and dryer That's why She can't do any laundry I need some clothes She's never not knitting And it's making Her husband mad Her husband mad I'm filing for divorce She just won't stop her stitching And the neighbors Say it's really getting bad She's taking pictures of socks again Oh is burning up in flames her husband says get up let's go but she can't set down her project she says just let me finish up this row she's never not knitting and it's making her husband mad her husband mad she just won't stop her stitching And, well, she's losing all she had